Can you say hard hats, folks? Hard hats, lunch pails, steel toe boots? Anything short of a championship this year is a failure. Look really at on. this boomer right here. You've just got so much talent here. Somebody said we need to apologize for Jalen. Can I pull the John? What are we apologizing for? What do we say? What do we do? <laughs> Now, now that you've seen that open, we can't not do it, right, Bobby? Yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. We pulled all the um, perfect sound. No, Amit, Amit, uh, the maestro there. Uh, welcome in Garden Report, back-to-back -back West Coast Nights. Bobby and I are the only ones with the fortitude, the only ones tough enough um, to suit up both nights of a back-to-back, -back. and here we are. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is um, typical for us. Uh, yeah, I know exactly. Much more, ex 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 except I'm going to be up in like five hours. Um, yeah. A much more positive result, obviously, tonight. And then it's kind of um, talking about why, what happened, what was different. It's sometimes is e easy to reduce it to just simply the make miss league stuff. And a lot of times it comes down to that. We even said it last night. They shoot their average at three and they win that game by, you know, 12, 15 points. Um, and so tonight you shoot well past your average and you, you know, explode uh, 144, 119. And again, uh, ridiculous efficiency all night long against a team that's, you know, not really there to defend, doesn't really have, uh, you know, a, a rim presence, the Porzingis factor returning. You're playing this game without Tatum and without Al and I – the conversation's going to go there, and whether it's fair or not, um, on what's the, the it's the Tatum situation. Tatum caught a lot of heat yesterday for being that guy who was playing out of sync and wasn't playing within the flow of the rest of the offense. And um, tonight, you saw what everybody playing in the flow of the offense, people picking their spots. And, uh, you know, four starters with 20 points. It was just a really complete all-around performance. Jalen, again, continuing one of his best stretches of his career uh, in terms of his overall play. So just a lot to talk about. Well, what popped, um, you know, what popped for you last night? I mean, tonight. Certainly the pace, the pace they ran with in this game. Of course, trying to keep up with the Kings early, I thought looked natural and effective for them. And... A big difference over the last game where they played slow, especially into the late stages of that game through Tatum. And that's obviously the biggest difference you notice with him not out there is the pop to the offense, a bunch of movement, a bunch of different ball handlers sharing responsibilities. They got Holiday a great look early out of timeout. They got him going, I felt like, in this game after you know what hadn't been the most involved stretch from him to begin this season it felt like tatum's absence really opened up his involvement in the offense a great night for him here with 21 points 10 assists uh, but white and jalen were just incredible running the pick and roll too another game here for Ta uh, brown six assists zero turnovers where he's in full control in sync with everybody making all the right decisions and reads getting to the free throw line and Derek white i mean we can just keep tossing up what might be his best game with the Celtics, but this one's right up there and he was in full control as well. It's funny too. Like the thing holding guys like holiday and white back from all-star consideration is that they're playing on a super team. Yeah. Um, if any, you know, you know, this isn't something you're rooting to happen, but if any, if Tatum or Brown went down for an extended period of time, 
one or two of those guys step in nightly and they're 20 plus point per game scorers because they can do that. Uh, and tonight was an example where Tatum's out. And um, so, you know, your number one, give me the ball and let me cook sort of guy isn't there uh, and your number one offensive option. And so, I mean, you can say the ball was moving more. You can say just simply the shots were falling more. And again, I think it's a fair discussion that, that we can have, but you saw white matching Brown basically, you know, step for step in terms of production here, uh, again, knocking down all the threes, uh, just confidently, uh, you know, you know, going to the bucket when he had to, and just playing another terrific game. Uh, holiday had his first 20 point and 10 assist game. So again, all of these things are things that happen. This people are going to mistake a lot of this for like, are these idiots saying they're better without Tatum? No, but when Tatum's not there, you're going to have the ball in different people's hands and you can see what they can do with it. It's really more of a um, showcase for the, the players that you have here who are sometimes, for better or for worse, kind of marginalized a little bit in this in this, uh, in this this lineup because you have uh, so many people, you know, so many mouths to feed. And so it's hard to... It's hard to have games like this where it's just so democratic and it's so spread out, but it's kind of nice too. Yeah, and I think it's a statement on a different way the Celtics can play if they choose to. And we've certainly seen Brown choose to play a different way over the last couple of weeks here. And we've seen the Celtics offense since the hot, hot start to begin the year take a dip. And I think much of that came from diminished shooting and – their reliance on isolation and post-ups uh, to get pretty much all their offense, along with generating transition, which isn't always a given. And that was a big part of this game, too. Uh, but ball movement, you haven't seen it quite like this. And as you mentioned, multiple ball handlers involved, you haven't seen that quite the same way you saw it tonight. So it's a good opportunity, I think, for them to – shift their style a little bit in this direction. I, I think they did some good things to start the year. Tonight's more of the style you need to play. And Tatum, when he gets back, is going to have to find those that balance between doing what's effective for him sometimes, attacking matchups, using his post-ups in the lane to power through guys and being a little <laughs> deliberate in terms of sizing guys up, while also – being involved in a more pace-based attack because they've said it, John, and Joe's said it too. They got to play faster. The spacing's better when they play faster. Guys can find uh, opportunities and reads within the offense when that develops quicker. And I think that makes the game easier for everybody. The offense looked easy for this group tonight, didn't it? And I know it does when shots fall, uh, but all the reads and Porzingis' return is a big part of this too. We're super simple for guys. And the ball just flowed naturally through this game. This is a team that's been at the bottom of the league in passing, been at the bottom of the league in assists, and tonight they had 35 like it was nothing. So it's hard. It's not they're better without Tatum. It's that they played a different style that seemed to be more effective for the whole group without him. So that's the thing, is, I, and I tweeted this as well. It's interesting, right, Bobby, over the last, course of the last week, um, two of the better, more impressive offensive displays have come when? Uh, tonight without Tatum and Horford, and then game one against Orlando when you were without all your bigs, right? You start Lamar Stevens at center that night. Um, so, again, that's not to say you're better without them, but that forced them 
slash allowed them to play a faster game. And I think we can conclude pretty simply that they're much better when they play faster. Um, and, and the slowdown stuff I think is what hurts them uh, here. And so Tatum is kind of a slowdown guy. Horford is certainly a, a slower uh, player. Porzingis, yeah, obviously he's not fleet of foot, so you're not going to be racing up and down the court with him all the time. No, uh, but he but moves he just, better than you think, and he trails he well, well too. Exactly, and he adds such an interesting inside-out element here. I mean, again, what happened? His presence instantly, he just goes to work. You're like, oh, that's what you missed. And someone someone tweeted at me like, you if Porzingis plays instead of Horford last night, they win by 15 points. And I'm like, yeah, they, they do. They, they do. His his presence and what he does is so profound. Uh, and 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 right away, and again, he started them off, you know, right there. And then in that third quarter, what really propelled them into complete blowout land was that sequence where he, you know, made the bucket, drew that extra foul, and then, you know, got fouled again. And all of a sudden, he's just got six quick points there. Uh, and then they just took off from there. And it was, you know, 20, 21, 23, and they were gone. Yeah, a defensive anchor night for him, too, inside uh, against Sabonis. A tough matchup for him. I thought that was going to give him some trouble, but Porzingis keeps surprising us in terms of what he can do inside and out defensively. I think he yeah, had four I mean, blocks just, in the first half, six in the yeah, game. Sabonis is quick, and he's physical, and he's strong, and he's got those. he's got moves, and he can get his shot off down low, but he's not very long. So a guy like Porzingis is going to just be able to just be there yeah. uh, and affect some shots, and he did. Uh, and, and the presence was, you know, I mean, he was, look at that. Lot. We were kicking around some of the defense stuff the other day, John, and these are the kind of nights that I think do have him in that mix, despite the following and despite some ups and look downs for him on that end. Look at this freaking stat line. My goodness. Seven so of 11 field him. goals. Oh yeah. And I love to begin the game. It was like two, three plays into the game. Sabonis sent him flying into the stanchion. I guess they were saying on the broadcast that he was bleeding or whatever. And it looked like he might have had to come out of the game or they were going to have to stop the game because of that. But it kept going back and forth a couple of times. And he got back after Holiday turned it over and blocked Fox on the run. And that seemed to be after, you know, 10 plays to start the game where both teams were just scoring in each direction, which jump-started the Celtics offense a little bit. White had a bunch of stops in this game. And overall, the Celtics just seemed to come together defensively in a way that the Kings couldn't in this game as it progressed. And it turned what was looking like, as I know you tweeted too, John, a race to 140 into this blowout uh, <laughs> yeah, when the Celtics got close. So I didn't see the yeah. game going in that direction at all. But credit to Porzingis, White, uh, Brown's breakout plays. I mean, he's if you're stacking up the best transition players in the league, Brown's going to be in like the top three, four. He's just so automatic on the run. And Oh, when so, you're playing this sorry. kind of game, he's going to finish everything. And Colin, look, I'm not, I'm not tiptoeing around this. I don't like snap judgments off of one game because that seems like it's an agenda, right? But I do think there's quite a few people, and I'm, I'm one of them. I think Bobby's one of them who are definitely looking at the Tatum situation and wondering. And it's, it's a really interesting. It's, it's the number one conversation. It's the number one takeaway from tonight. Um, is Tatum's been trending in the wrong direction in terms of his style of play. Uh, at the beginning of the year, everybody said, what, Bobby? Like, Jalen's going to have to figure out how to get on board here. Everyone else has a role, and 
Tatum's going to be that guy and he's going to get the ball and he's going to get his. And the first 15 games or so, it kind of played out like that. And Brown was struggling to find where he wanted, what he wanted to do and how he was going to fit and how he was going to best affect the game with his talents. And I don't think it was, I think he, I think he was, I think he was searching for it. Um, now recently it's a total flip-flop here and it seems like everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing except for Tatum. And is so it as simple is a, as the post? It's like mean? it happened overnight after the two zero assist games. He just completely changed his approach. And, I, again, you know, it's, <laughs> I wrote Brown, about some of the stuff he was doing off the court uh, to work on it, but that's stuff he does generally. Uh, that's stuff he's been working on all year. So the way it changed overnight for him was pretty shocking this past week or two yeah. years. Yeah, it's um, it's shocking. Look, uh, hold on one second. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. You know, I've been looking for the best deal on Celtics tickets. And with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons of full swing, you don't want to miss out. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good and red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So as you know, I always come through for you guys. You can use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. Um, it is. It's Brown has completely changed since that graphic. He really yeah. has. It's not <laughs> like he was playing. He wasn't playing poorly. It's just he was he was searching for it. He was forcing shots. He was like, all right, my, he was playing the, okay, it's my turn game instead of what does the game need? What does the moment need? And since then he really has been, uh, uh, you know, playing exactly the way you would want to see him play actually playing in ways. I didn't necessarily think he was capable of doing, um, 
in at terms least of the over a two week span. In, in terms of playmaking, he has it in flashes, but he had he had several today. He had you know a couple of great ones. I mean, not only is he driving and dunking, I think he had four dunks tonight. But you know, uh, you know, just. Finding the right guys. I you know, it was one play. I can't remember what quarter it was uh, where he, you know, kind of gets to the paint and then he just kind of one hand zings it to Hauser over in the corner when the defense had collapsed on him uh, for a three there. Uh, found that uh, on the break, a little bit of a hesitation waited, as you mentioned, Porzingis to trail flips it to Porzingis who draws the foul there again, just a beautiful play. It was kind of a jammed up crowded transition situation there. And he waited for it to develop the old Jalen, not the old Jalen, but versions of Jalen we've seen just goes charging right at it and then hopes for the best. And he had, I mean, he's playing with such patience and poise um, instead of just kind of rushing head first and, you know, I'm just faster and, you know, I can jump higher than everybody and let's just do that and figure it out. But the Tatum is a question because he's the one who, while the offense is going really well, will just stop it dead and then take a shot that doesn't need to be taken. You have moments where everything's working. The, the, they're, they're working the ball, getting good shots. Everyone's getting their hands on it. There's good movement. And then what the next possession, it goes to Tatum and he just, Shoots a you know, twenty foot. I still wonder why he keeps. Yeah, I still wonder why he keeps taking those. I pull up three. I don't. I don't understand both the pull ups and just the decision that like, all right, I'm just going to hold this one and get my shot. And I know that's what scorers have to do, but like again, it's it's that belief, Bobby, that like I'll get mine eventually. I don't have to force the issue ever. You know, we said it at the beginning of the year, like this team. And Tatum has said it. He's just not doing it all the time. This team will go farther if everybody does a little bit less. And I, I don't think he's fully embraced the less yet. Not not yeah. consistently enough. I know, right? It's easy for him to say. Remember, he was like, I, <laughs> any of us can come off the bench, but we knew it wasn't going to be him. And we knew in terms of ball time and shots and points, it wasn't going to be him sacrificing. And I think as much as he can say he'd be willing to do that, it's not going to happen here because of who he is. And rightfully so. I mean, he has the most gravity on this team. So there is going to be a significant amount of time where he's on the ball and he's going to have to embrace a little bit more of an up-tempo approach. And I, I saw someone talking about this earlier. I forget who it was. But Smart would kind of urge him to do that sometimes. Like he'd be, he'd push him along. He'd get him out on the move because he'd grab the ball and go. And you wonder if Brown can sort of push him in that direction a little bit, especially when they're both on the court, especially if you try to overlap their minutes a little bit more, which might be effective in that sense, because we've talked about it for a long time. Brown, as frustrating as it could be with the turnovers and other things, played with a little bit more of an urgency and a downhill direct attacking style than Tatum was, which sometimes was refreshing for this team if things were really starting to seal up offensively like they were last night in Golden State. No shots were going down for them. Uh, so I love Brown's forcefulness offensively. And to see him, I think I'm looking at the numbers here. After tonight, I have to imagine over his last seven, averaging five assists a game just about and closer to one turnover per game. It's really cutting down on the turnovers for him that's been the game changer here because he's not going to have 10 assists a night. But if you can have that ratio be a little bit more balanced and still get your four or five assists per night within the flow of the offense, 
it's golden because as he's talked about, you want him being aggressive. You want him looking for a shot. That's what he's best at, uh, not passing the ball over the court. But if you're limiting the mistakes, you're playing perfect basketball offensively if you're him, and that's what he's doing right now. Hitting free throws too, which is something that kind of made your head spin a little bit at times with him. So Brown's been great. Tatum's going to have to adjust when he comes back. There's no way around it. They have to play more like this. Want to say thank you, Trevor, for the uh, for the contribution. We do appreciate it. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays to you and everyone else out there. Um, I, I think this is a fair point. I, look, you need players like the, – the greatest thing about players like Tatum and Brown, and honestly you've, you're seeing it now from Porzingis, is um, – guys who can do stuff when everything else is going bad you put the ball in their hands and they're essentially matchup proof they can get your buckets when the game slows down sometimes you just need people who can make difficult shots uh and they can do it and you absolutely need it and you're right you know uh it's it's you know you can play one brand of basketball in the regular season it's not going to be as it's you won't necessarily be able to do it in um you know in the playoffs so yes of course Tatum's essential nobody's arguing that he's not it's just simply more a matter of you get more out of everyone else when you kind of buy into it because there's so many people who can do something in the past it was I mean how many seasons are recovering this team Bobby and it's like just give the ball to Tatum in the fourth quarter why is Marcus shooting why is this guy this why this isn't that team this year do you have any problem with Derek White taking the last shot in regulation? No, and that's exactly where I was going to go. It's not about Brown or Tatum at this point. They need White in control more often. And it looked like they were doing that to start the year. But again, he's so willing to defer. And those guys are so ball dominant sometimes that he's just going to step to the side and do what he needs to in an ancillary role. But there's some nights like tonight. And when Tatum steps out of the lineup, I'm sure he was like, uh-uh. It's I better grab that ball and go. And that's exactly what he did here. Pick and roll, maestro, never turns the ball over, throwing alley-oops to guys, making all the right decisions and being confident in his shot too. I mean, this guy is just perfect. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I, I, I do have to question comments like this. What do you guys, how do you guys think this works? Like you just praise everybody all the time when they're bad? <laughs> When people are playing well, you say they're playing well. When they're playing poorly, you say they're playing poorly. Or when they're doing stuff, that's how it works. Like I, It's like, are, are, were you supposed to say at the beginning of the season Jalen was playing his best basketball? What do you say when he actually does start playing his best basketball? These comments blow my mind. Yeah, Tatum, look, the Tatum numbers and the Brown numbers, Bobby, to start the year were ridiculous in terms of, lopsided towards Tatum they the, the Celtics were up here with Tatum on the floor and down here when he was off it and when it was just and Brown's on off numbers were dreadful dreadful and they were last year all of last year too that's flipped that's flipped a lot um and it's and it's happened recently so yes there's a bit of a change here uh in terms of how they're playing within the kind of dynamic of the entire team. It, it is weird that it kind of changed. It's also kind of goes back to the compatibility conversation of like, can only what, you know, can, can only one of these guys thrive, you know, is it always an either, or, you know, it's always comes down to splitting up the Jays is stupid. 
Probably, I guess. You don't want to just get rid of good players, but it still kind of comes down to, can they both get it at the same time? And I think people confuse getting it with, they each got 30 tonight, so they both had good games. Can they both play those kind of complementary style games at the same time? Yes, we've seen it happen. Can they do it consistently It doesn't come down to such yeah. little stuff. I, I'm so sick of hearing, oh, you can't screen for each other because it's just a switch to the same stuff. Just do something that will be a little bit more involved in the same actions, to play off each other, to pass yeah. each other. Not just swing because he's to your left or throw the ball ahead to him because he's on the move. In the half court, be a little bit more creative to get each other involved and get guys shots who might not be involved. Twitter did in the die, by the, the way. Twitter's, Twitter's down right now. So the only <laughs> the only information you're getting is here. <laughs> this, is, this is Twitter, baby. Get in the chat. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> we are Twitter. We're driving the conversation here, okay? <laughs> I just, I, I'm so sick of sometimes the lack of connection between the two and the my turn, your turn approach. And I don't think it's inherent of two players being on the same team who are stars and who have massive scoring games and great skill sets not every star duo in the league is taking turns, even guys at the same position. And I know it's, you know, I'm interested to see on Saturday how they match up against George and Kawhi if Tatum does play, because that's kind of always been their proxy in terms of how they'll play off each other. Uh, but even their numbers in terms of just the interactions, the passes, the connectivity on the court have always been better. And you can survive in different lineups with each guy off the floor individually. So I, I just want to see an effort to have everything be a little bit more connected and team-oriented rather than some of the isolation and one-on-one approach that they've taken as a team to start the year. Because it was super effective, right, John? They got off to a hot start doing that kind of stuff. And then it, I think, wore a little stale, especially for some of the guys who weren't as involved. And luckily, a more team-oriented approach has gotten Jalen going, has gotten Drew going, and White, too, at his peak. So this was great tonight to see what they're capable of. Porzingis is always going to get his, it feels like. But can Tatum step back into the lineup now and have a situation where all five guys are kind of involved and active? And again, I'm not I'm not going here now. I think Tatum's problem is, the, is twofold, and it's always been. It's the pace, and it's driven every coach crazy from, from Brad to Ime to Joe. Let's go. You know, like let's pick up the pace. They all want to play. Yeah, with this more isn't pace. a Joe thing. They want to play with play with pace. They they want to play with pace. They've always wanted to. They want to play with pace. And Tatum's more comfortable being deliberate and walking it up. And again, for some reason, Tatum defaults to the things he's worst at. Um, and that's the pull-up game. And again, he had some success with it in the early part of his career. And I think really, really, really leaned on it. And I don't, people want to say the word lazy. I don't know if it's lazy, but it's much harder to go to the basket and to fight constantly. Like it's easier to pull up and hope that the shot's falling. That's a great night. If all you have to do is just catch it and step back and shoot, that's great, but it's just hard. And he's proven to be inefficient there. So continuing to lean into that aspect of his game um, is weird. It's a strange choice. And I think that's what kind of bothers people a little bit about Tatum's offensive style um, is that we've said it a million times, Bobby, he just does too much of the things that he's not great at. Uh, and he just has to do, if he just does less of it, it it's better. 
you know, and it's also okay. Like we talk about sacrifice. He's still averaging 27 points a game. Like it's, oh, this team in the past could not win if Jason Tatum had a 12 point game. Jason Tatum can absolutely have, look at like Giannis the other day. I was just going to say that. When Dame went off, Giannis had 11 field goal attempts, I think 14 points, 16 assists and 14 rebounds or something like that. Like, I'm not saying that's his normal game, but like Tatum could do a million other things, not score. And on this team be okay. You know, you know what's the killer there though? Because he can do that. He can do it. It's not, it's not, they're not reliant on him. It doesn't mean he can't score 35 a night. doesn't mean he can't be the most dominant player on the court by a mile on any given night. It's just not necessary. It all comes down to that cliche. We keep throwing out there of give the game what it needs. And that's it. Cause you have so much this year. You have so much else on this team that you've never, you haven't had before. Yeah. And you always wonder how much MVP is on his mind and, you know, I, I had some conversations with my friends throughout the year because I was kind of working on a take in my mind. I didn't want to push out there yet, but you do wonder, is this guy ever going to win MVP? Because obviously it's a unique circumstance where you win that award. You need stats up in this certain stratosphere, and I think your usage too has to be up in a level where you're just going to put up these ridiculous stat lines night in and night out like Jokic does like Embiid does Westbrook back in the day and that's not the style that the Celtics play right so Tatum's path to MVP was going to be 30 points a game on ridiculous efficiency and just blowing up the scoring uh, stat sheet every night because he's not going to have 10 assists it's just not his usage he's you know rebounding numbers are great but you know, he just doesn't put up the same numbers those other stars do across the board. So, so the thing you didn't want to trickle out there, you do you forget forget Tatum wanting the MVP. I mean, like forget to will forget the question: Will he win it? Is it still super important to him? I can't wait to ask him because there was a moment early <laughs> this year when. Joe said, "You know, I think if you asked him, he'd say he'd rather win a championship than win MVP." And obviously he wants both, right? Eventually. Nobody's going to not say that. Like, nobody's going to say, like, yeah, yeah MVP, dog. <laughs> like, I know, right? The answer he's going to say will be obvious. But it's important to him. Hasn't he talked about that in the past? He'd love to be an MVP, and he had has 15 more years to do it or whatever, like he said last year. So I don't know. Will he ever get it? Will he be in Boston his whole career? Will he be playing this style his whole career? You never know. But right now, in terms of what this team needs to do to win, it's going to require him to sacrifice winning an MVP. Because if it's more balanced and spread out and you have a team of five All-Stars as they're starting to promote, I think, you know, they see that rolling out a little bit this week, John, in terms of the All-Star candidacy that they're trying to push. I'm still, I'm still, doing, win my best to get, I'm still doing my best to get Jalen on the All-Defensive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep up the hard work. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing my best there. But you get what um, I mean, John? He's never going to win MVP playing this style, but it's what they need him to do to win. Yeah, I, it is. And again, it's like we talk about it all the time. Unfortunately, right? Because like you'd love for him to get MVP by playing the team basketball, but everyone's going to look at Jokic's 
50% usage rate with like 30, 20, 20 every night, and he's going to win it every year. And MB tonight, who took 100 shots and scored 50. Yeah, so. Tatum's not going to win MVP. It's he should He's going to be, he's going to finish thir- third, fourth, fifth all the time. The only way you win MVP, look, you win You MVP, have to go for it. You have to not just go for it. You actually probably need a worse team. You need right. to be a ridiculously dominant player on a worse team where you're forced to carry them. Like, this isn't it. Like, this isn't that I guess team. what's going to happen. Embiid's going to win MVP does not, this year. This team does not need a 35-point-per-game score. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It, no. it needs the most efficient ver- – so, again, it's just you're not going to compile the stats here. It's going to be – it's an ensemble cast and a team effort, and you're the best player – and you're going to probably still make first team all NBA and be starting all-star and all of those things, but you're just going to be part of something better. And like, that's fine. I don't think he's selfishly going for MVP. I just think on this team, you can't really have an MVP because there's just too many good players. You're doing it wrong. If Tatum puts up MVP numbers this year. And in fact, I honestly think he would help. You think Tatum's MVP case wouldn't be helped. What, which stat line gets you MVP if you're Tatum? Uh, 33, 4, and 6, or 24, 8, and 8? Like, you you have a much better shot with the second one. If you decided to do a little bit less and help the game and play all defense level defense, that second one's going to get you there on, like, ridiculous efficiency numbers and metrics. Like, there's nerds out there voting, man. They look at it. They're not just looking at the PPG. Like, you could you could compile you could put up a more impressive season, but it's not just about scoring. That's 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 mainly what I'm trying to say. Um, but again, I don't want to make it all about Tatum. Let's talk a little bit about the rest of the team here tonight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, yeah. So, I look, the conversation is going to circle. I mean, this is a natural un- conversation, obviously, Bobby. It goes from Tatum was, you know, caught a lot of the heat last night, and then they put up a great game without him. But, you know, you have to give the hats off. We already talked about, um, you know, Porzingis. Uh, you know, I think White, again, in this stretch that he's on, you texted me, like, White probably should be an all-star, but he won't be. Yeah, and but you're you telling me get, he's not one of the 15 best players in the East right now. He probably is. Yeah, I'd say so. And if you, so, I don't know. You, you rattle it off. You're gonna have like Tatum. Uh, it's impossible. Brown. The big names are gonna get there. A guy with these numbers is never gonna get there. But like Celtics fans had like campaigned in the past for Marcus Smart. Remember that? Like we gotta have three All Stars campaign. <laughs> we tried last like, year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's not be silly. Uh, but the, no, but you uh, do get the Horfords of the world sometimes, and Sabonis back with the Pacers, who uh, didn't put up the most jaw-dropping stats, but more of a, a mixed 
array of production across the board. So, and even the defense coming into play there is, I'm sure Holiday is squeezed in there at different points in his career, but he had scoring numbers too. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be a challenge. Um, there's a lot of great players in the East. You know, you're going to have your Butlers, Youngs, Mitchell, Randall, Lillard now in the East. The but maybe is, on the what, back what, end, what, what injuries too, those can sometimes open the door. What, what White has going for him that Marcus Smart did not, Bobby, is, I mean, again, stats matter, obviously, in, the, in these things, is, uh, you know, his points per game is considerably higher than Smart. Smart would always be coming to the table with 10, 11 points per game. White's coming out there with 16 and all defensive uh, presence on a team that's going to have the best record in the Eastern Conference entering there. If you're going to start talking about putting three all-stars in this team, it's going to be him. Like... I don't think it's out of – you know, it's not, though, because it's going to be – I keep forgetting. It might be Porzingis. I just don't know if Porzingis is going to, like, miss games and, and, and disqualify himself. I don't know, man. That's a, it's a, I don't know. It's probably Porzingis now that I think about it. You're right. Yeah, and Jalen, you think, too, has to squeeze in. No, there. I mean, Jalen and Tatum will get it, and then if they're going to get three, it'll be Porzingis. So White's going to be odd man out, but that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, I got 10 slam dunks that's among the top scorers, and then you're parsing Hero, White. Kobe White's just been incredible for Chicago, especially recently. Uh, so he could get in that mix. DeRozan, yeah, Garland, who's hurt. Yeah. Um, Scotty Barnes, who's been pretty great this year. Roger, uh, Cunningham. So there's a lot of guards, right? I know. Mikhail Bridges, who's just been incredible in Brooklyn. Butler. And then you get to your white. So he's going to probably just be squeezed outside that kind of group. That's not even mentioning Halliburton, who should be a slam dunk too. So he's oh, not yeah. in there. He's probably not in there, but he's one of those great honorable mention names. And right now he's shooting for all defensive status this year, which I think is where you really give him the credit he deserves. I mean, this night here that he's had on back-to-back nights isn't normal for him. If he was doing this kind of stuff, we'd be talking. But fortunately, just like with the MVP thing, it doesn't really matter. And I think every Celtics fan at this point knows he's probably the most valuable player on the team behind Tatum. I mean, he just makes everything connect. The shooting at this point makes him a constant outlet, always makes the right decision. And always. inside even, and out. Even though, first, even though first play of the game, he telegraphed a pass and it was a turnover <laughs> to, to Fox. And then I think every single thing he did after that was the right play. Like, it's unbelievable. He's perfect. It's unreal. <laughs> I mean, he just keeps stacking up one game after another. Where you're like, this is the best point guard performance, especially with all but, the blocks he racks up. You've seen in a minute. Defensively, never out of position, always making the right play, always smart when he jumps out on somebody and is able to recover back on his own guy. He's disruptive. He's opportunistic. Uh, he's always, always, always in front of uh, – uh, how often do you see him get blown by? It's a couple of times. Not often. He's in front of his guy all the time. And, yeah, sometimes people will go up and over him. Uh, but, I mean, he's – always putting himself in the best position um to um to succeed always it's 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 amazing to watch it's amazing to watch and again these stat lines are just stupid you look at Porzingis's and you throw up whites my goodness you know 10 of 13 6 of 9 threes again the the assists to the turnovers amazing about the game tonight bobby six turnovers in the first quarter they finished with nine 
as a team. Yeah, it was 7-1 early, and Drew made that great steal on uh, Sabonis up top and ran out for that layup that I thought tearing the tide a little bit, along with some of the Porzingis stuff early. Uh, so defense definitely led to offense in this game. One team was going to have to flex its defensive muscle at one point, and he knew it was going to be the Kings, but the Celtics did in a pretty uh, aggressive way once they kind of got punched in the mouth by Fox early. So uh, credit to them. This was a game that could have just kept going back and back forth, back and forth, back and forth, all the way to the final buzzer. And then they end up with a situation like last night where it's anyone's game. But they were able to play one of their better quarters all year, I thought, in the third and tighten up on one of the best offenses in the league and play like one of the best offenses in the league themselves. Their balance tonight was uh, sensational, phenomenal. And I think it goes back to something we talked a little bit about over the last couple of games here, John, is that the biggest difference with this team this year through the stretch compared to last year where they fell apart at this time was that their defense is locked in. They have great connectivity on that end this year. They have an identity and they have a bunch of different stuff that they can go to on that end when things aren't working. Like last year, I think they just rolled out the game plan from the year before, maybe played a little bit more drop. And that was what they did over and over again. And a guy like Fox could have picked that apart, but he throws some wrinkles in there against certain opponents, especially. I'm sure the coaches on the bench are helping on that end this year. And they have a much more fluid, versatile defensive attack that has been one of the best in the league to start this year. And that only helps your offense, you know, when you're able to get those stops and get out in transition. They still don't force a ton of turnovers, which has kind of baffled them all year. But they do just about everything else well on that end. They don't foul. Uh, you know, they try to limit their turnovers on the offensive end, which helps your defense too. The whole rim thing that we debated about last night is part of helping your defense as well. So this is a dominant defensive team this year. It's one that I haven't really complained about at all on that end. And to be able to slow this team and the Kings the way they did was super impressive. They came out smoking hot. Holy crap, the Kings. The Kings I mean, yeah. I mean, you you beat a team that shot 48% from three. How many, you know, remember the Celtics record? Was it Celtics never lost a game when they shot better than 40%? Yeah, something from like that. Three. One or two losses last year. The Kings shot 48% from three tonight and got on volume, 40 plus threes, and Lawn got blown out of the building. That's insane. Yeah, and this this goes back to what we talked about last night. It's not make miss all the sometimes it is, sometimes but there's it more is. to it than that. I mean, the process was just so much better than last night for the Celtics, and that's why it was frustrating. Even though he got the team to respond somehow today, to hear Joe come out last night and be like, "Oh, we did everything right, and I love the way we played." You know what it comes down to, Bobby? I I think. Everyone, Joe included, and some some fans, like I, I, we've been fighting this. I've been fighting this for a long time. It's not that the shots are. Did you take a good shot instead of a potentially great shot? That's the thing, right? If if you're just gonna say, well, every open three was a good shot, I guess. But could you have worked for a better shot? We talked about the grenades for... last night. They'd have two yeah. or a crowd on the ball, and then you throw it. That to was Portland especially in late in the fourth. Second. Yeah, 
that was especially late in the fourth. The pace slowed to a crawl. They they looked like, especially the back half of that quarter, they were hunting that matchup. They were late to get to it, to Curry. The double would come and get, they'd pass out of it. And you had, so as you said, so many of those grenades there um, with people just desperation threes. That's one. But some of the others are, yeah, look, you kicked it a couple times. You made one pass and a guy shot a three. And it was open, and I guess that's a good shot. Was there a better shot that possession? Did you work to find it? Is it always just simply a, well, I got my open three, and that's all I was looking for? Is that the point of all of it? Is there any other thing you're trying to do there? Don't you want to soften up the defense a little bit by attacking the paint, getting to the line, getting people in foul trouble, doing other things? Like There's other things that you can do that are positive, and it doesn't always involve just simply getting a shot, you know, an, an open shot. There might, you might be doing it at the expense of a better shot. And that's what doesn't factor in all the time. It's everyone counters with the, well, they were good looks. Sure. But were there better looks to be had if you had been a little bit more patient, worked the ball a little bit more? I don't know. You know, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes, as we said, it just comes down to, well, they fell tonight, you know? And a lot of times those those do fall. Like tonight's one of those where everyone, all of the anti-Gary Washburn, pro-Joe Missoula people in, on Twitter, whoa, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, the threes are falling. They were, but they also took 60 last night and they took 40 <laughs> tonight, you know? They got coaxed into doing that by a great defensive strategy. I don't think Joe walked into the game and, I don't yeah. think he has any problem with the three-point volume being on the higher end because he doesn't want to own the lower end for understandable reasons. But I don't think they came into the game last night and said, let's shoot 63s. No. So that Golden they State, got coaxed well, into that. Yep, they did. And, 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 and Golden State does it a lot. Yeah, and sometimes you can get caught up in the other team's style. And we talked about this a little bit too, John, their ability to play well at higher paces with – some of these teams that run the highest paces in the league, and you look at those teams, it's Indiana who beat them at home. That was a tough game, but the Celtics also, and without Halliburton, of course, were able to drive it up to 150 against them. Uh, the Wizards, who they blew away. The Hawks, who they actually kept to their lowest point total all year when they played them. And the Bucks, who they were able to beat pretty successfully uh, in a style that I thought, especially late, swung in the Bucks' direction, but the Celtics were able to, you know, carve that game out late there. So uh, their highest-paced games of the year was that 155 Indiana game that they won. The lost Indiana, so the pace overwhelmed them a little bit in that game. But they beat the Wizards playing 101. They beat the Sixers at home playing 102 possessions. I think that was the non-Embiid game, played a little bit faster. The Bucks game at 102. And then one of those road games against the Nets that came in just at about 100 possessions. And I think that's where tonight's game should have been. But the fourth quarters we talked about slowed down. I'm looking on the other end, though. They have mostly won their slowest games this year. Opening night <laughs> against the Knicks. Yeah. Sixers on the road. Grizzlies on the road. But those ones were a little clunkier, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, those ones went down the wire. They kind of had to squeak it out. It wasn't clean. So... They've been able to race ahead in some slower, uh, faster-paced games and look comfortable doing that. And then the slower-paced games, it's like, because you go back to that Grizzlies game, if Santi Aldama hits that three at the end, that would have been their worst loss of the year. So <laughs> you like this team, I think. 
playing a little faster, even though it's not something they do. Yeah. Yeah. You do. It's like, you know, when you see it, right? Like, and again, that's why I point to these two games, you know, the, the two games where you felt like, Oh, I like this brand of basketball, that Orlando game when they had no bigs and they were playing fast and they were, they were really getting after it. And then again tonight. Um, but it, you know, obviously shots falling, uh, goes a long way, uh, towards that. Um, I don't know what else you got, Bobby. We still got a lot of people in this room and Twitter's down. So I feel bad to abandon everybody. Right. Um, we don't but again, coming out, huh? we don't have any quotes from saying. the games, so I can't follow that along. I wonder if he like pulled the crinkled piece of paper out of his pocket, you know, to like, you know, a quote <laughs> from like a Washburn article when he was in like college, um, to, you know, to, to throw back in his face. Um, you know, we give, uh, give holiday some props as well. You know, we talk a lot about like, ah, the box score doesn't always reflect his impact. Tonight was one of those nights where the box score did reflect his impact. Plus, he was an absolute MFer on defense all night. He had that first play because I tweeted early in the game. Why not draw something up to involve him a little bit more? Because he feels like the least involved of all the starters that begin this year. And you know, not to any detriment, he's fitting in where his subtle impact uh, can help the team the most. Somebody has to sacrifice night in and night out. But he has skill sets offensively that can help them, right? Ten assists in this game, able to get downhill off the dribble and find guys, make some mistakes that make your head spin sometimes, but he limited those in this game and played great by the Celtics handing him opportunities because he doesn't feel, and especially talking to him, John, he just doesn't seem like the guy who's going to insert himself. He's, he's just completely laid back, willing to roll with whatever the game plan is, and whatever absolutely fine to wants do it. to do. And yeah. he seems like another guy that you have to urge to have this kind of night. So first time out of the game to run a play from right at Harrison Barnes and get a three-point play, I thought set a good tone for him too. Uh, so down in that situation, got them a little closer. I think they were down 16-8 early after that blistering King start, like you said. And he was super active and involved in this game the rest of the way. And doing it in tandem with White, to go back to our conversation about Brown and Tatum at the beginning, these are two guys playing the same position yeah, against similar type of players, but they're able to play off each other a little bit at that spot. And, uh, you know, he hit his threes tonight, which always helps, but he's also offensive rebounding. Uh, you know, he got Kata involved a little bit, some good defense on Fox, breakout plays off of steals. I loved it all from him here. This was one of his better games of the year, no doubt. What's also, you mentioned like the, he just doesn't care. Like he doesn't, he's not stat hunting. He's not, uh, you know, he's okay to take five shots in a game. Like he's not, he's not going after it, which is kind of amazing. Cause if you looked at one, I mean, you could say Derek White as well, obviously, because he's got a contract coming up, but Holiday is, you know, lining up for his final payday of his career. Um, and, you know, he's already won a championship. So he has less of a need. If you look at it just from a self-serving perspective, he would be someone who could be like, well, I got to make sure that I remind people who I am so I can get paid because I got one more payday coming off of this and I got to put up some numbers here. And, you know, 
we've seen it happen to people where they take reduced roles, get moved to the bench. Brogdon, we talked about him as well. And then people start thinking about you're looking at you differently. Like Holiday went from the number two option on a, on a number one seed championship contender and an NBA champion to the fifth scoring option on another team. And, you know, a solid role player, defensive specialist, like those aren't guys who get $45 million a year. And that's kind of like, you know, you wonder how much money he's leaving on the table by not insisting that he get his numbers and get his stats there. And he's, and he, and yet he doesn't, you know, he's not seeking it out. Yeah. And who knows how much, obviously you can't technically do it, but in terms of a wink, wink, what did they put out there for him in terms of him coming to the team? Was there like a dollar a amount that they kicked around and said, like, even if your production's below this dollar amount, we're still going to make it right in the end here. Um, which, of course, went infamously wrong with the Harden situation, it looks like. But uh, that always helps, right, if that's the case here. And you have to think that they're going to come to some sort of deal at the end of the year here when he does have a player option and, you know, his long-term deal needs to be settled at that point. It's going to be interesting with him and White because uh, White will be a year out from free agency at that point. There doesn't seem to be enough money to go around for everybody here. So what kind of tough decisions do you have to make at that point if you're this team? That adds to the urgency of this year. And, you know, I hate as much as anybody, John, the the sky is falling of last night's game, but that's the season they're in here with, with the kind of roster they have. And that's the, the point. It's not the sky is falling. Like, yeah, like, oh, can't we just root for these guys and be happy? No, it, they got to win it. <laughs> Sorry. the intro. <laughs> No, they have to win this year. Like, that's it. They have to win it. Like, there is no margin for error. You have to be perfect, okay? You know, it's, you know, there. you can't, you cannot F this up. It's been, I'm not going to say put on a platter for them. There's, and again, I know they go down and be like, it was Joe. Joe's the reason. They needed a real coach. And I don't know. You know, we'll see what kind of, was you it know. timeouts tonight? Uh, Mike Brown on the other side, the coach of the year, called seven timeouts in three quarters and couldn't stop the bleeding. I've never seen anything like it. They were out <laughs> of timeouts at the start of the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the, the opposite of Joe. But that's the point is anytime it's like, geez, if people are wondering, like, my God, give them a break. They're, they're the Jays. They're the best. I get it. There's just no margin for error this year they've got to win it they have to win it they have to win it they have to i think that's it's a it's a it's a it's an absolute championship or bust anything that looks like it's going to derail it is why there's a a why there's a disproportionate freak out i think people think it's reactionary and it's not the standard is so high for what this team needs to be. And you're always looking for like, are they getting it? Are they not getting it? Are they going to come together? Are they going to pull it off? And so, you know, that's why Tatum who's playing at like top five MVP level is getting, is getting scrutinized right now. And we know when they went all in and lost a tough game compared to when they didn't play the way they need to. And it's a disappointment. And that's the story of last year, right? I know you could look at game seven and be like Tatum got hurt and Rob was throwing up and Grant had a torn hand or whatever. And if you go back in time and everybody's right, they go to the finals and who knows what happens. But 
you go down 0-3 in that series and you effectively quit in game three. And that made you have to win four straight to win that series. So the way the year finishes is going to be context dependent, right? Because if they get ravaged by injuries or whatever, and that's what sends this year sideways, all right, whatever. You know, you, you, that happens sometimes. But if they're healthy, they've already shown us what they're capable of, and they don't play that style of basketball or what you have to do to win in the playoffs. I mean, we've talked about how many times, John, they've gotten in the playoff games and been like, yeah, we just didn't have it tonight. That can't happen this year. And the number one thing I can't listen to either at the end of a big playoff game this year, and this is why it drives me crazy, is we missed shots. We just didn't come out with any energy. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that one, and we didn't make shots. If they lose a big game this year because they missed shots, they probably did other stuff along the way that screwed them up, just like last game where you're up 17 and you blew that lead, and then you wait, you say, oh, we missed shots. I, I just can't buy that this year. I, I think it's fair to say this team has already reached greater heights than last year's team at any point in the season. Oh, like, I mean, I think this year is showing how some of the screwy stuff that started last year manifested uh, throughout, which I always thought were valid excuses. And even though, like, if push came to shove, I think you would have had to make a tough decision on Joe last year if they just melted down. But my take was, if they really believe in him, this year was so screwed up, give him another chance. And I think that's showing this year with the new assistants, with some new personnel too, and credit to them for making some tough moves to change the roster. This year has been much more stable despite some, you know, frustrating games along the way here. It's there. a it, – it, it. This is a Bobby's – Bobby's be, he's beginning to believe. Um, the uh, – <laughs> Yes, it is a hundred percent a hot. It is. This is so much better because last year, what were you hoping for, Rob, to maybe be Rob again, even though he wasn't really at any point in the year. Um, and you know, you were happy that Derek White was playing better, but you were, you know, still kind of lacking a little bit. Marcus was Marcus, and again, you, you know, I'm not. Marcus not looked hurt all year. You know, and Marcus wasn't great last year. He had kind of a down year. You know, he was the same guy offensively. He wasn't as, as good defensively. And again, it just looked incomplete. It was the burden was almost entirely on the Jays. This team is just on a different planet right now. White leveled up again after, be, you know, he was really not great. That year they traded for him, uh, he had a really tough playoffs. He really didn't shoot well all year. They couldn't rely on him. He got gun shy. He leveled up huge last year. He's leveled up again. Yeah, we this had the year. interview over the summer of the uh, muscle he put on and all the stuff he did over the summer. It's certainly showing. Yeah. So so that's it. So they leveled up everywhere. And Porzingis is completely different than anything they've ever had. Um, you know, the Tatum and Brown have ever had as a side as a, as someone to play alongside them. It's and the way that they're playing in the style, what are you worried about? Like what, what aspect is, well, defensively this blah, blah, blah. There's really nothing, you know, that you're really worried about with this team. And again, the bench is playing far better than we expected that they, that they'd be playing right now. So sure. Yeah. You'd like to have another piece in this and that, but like you're talking about assembling like the perfect roster by tweaking now, like you're entering the playoffs, you're going to have far less to worry about than most than, 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 than any other team. 
I did want to hit on the bench real quick before we get out of here because I loved O'Shea coming into this game, and we were pretty pissed last night that they took him out after five minutes and six points. He comes in again and grabs two offensive rebounds that lead to back-to-back threes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) The king of the stay-ready crew is super ready right now. I, I will say this. Um, I was really <laughs> happy. I I know it was garbage time. I was really happy to see him uh, knock down a three, though. Yes. Uh, he started one and nine this year and hit uh, the three in that Magic game, which was great. And yep. was that the only yep. one he took tonight? He took one tonight, I believe, uh, and, and, and knocked it down late. So he's two for 11 now with two in a row. Yep. He looks a little two bit more two. comfortable out there, doesn't he? It was 100%. so frenetic to start last uh the beginning of it's the all of them. Look at poor Lamar Stevens. The, the nights that he got run, every time he got past the ball, it was just hot potato. Like he couldn't, he didn't even know what to do with it. Like it's just the speed that these guys are playing with, you know? Yeah. And I don't, the Shvi thing again tonight, I don't know what they're trying to do there. It feels like Lamar is a better fit uh, for what they need out there than Shvi, who's just playing the Hauser role effectively. It feels like, like they try to double up on those guys early in this game, which I don't understand a ton. Although that lineup did go on a 13 to four run, but Shvi individually, I don't really, you know, he was his biggest plays for the offensive rebounds too. So it feels like they have a bench in terms of the stay ready crew full of offensive rebounding specialists. Uh, so I wonder how much they're going to tinker with that. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. what I mean is like, look, like instead of always pointing out what the bench can't do, like they're there on the bench, you know, the, the, as we, you know, I've, I've said a million times, they're, they're guys number 9, 10, 11, 12 on your roster for a reason. They obviously can't do much. You want them to be good at one or two things, and that's either able to defend, knock down shots, or come in and give you energy and grab boards and this and that. So you have guys who can do kind of some, some can even do two of those three things. Um, And that's a big deal. Like, you you know, those, what do you want there? Yeah. You want that energy. You want those balls kept alive again, Brissett. I think it was two offensive rebounds in one possession, right? Uh, Back to back possessions. possessions. Yeah. Yeah. So he was great. great. Kata, again, I thought solid minutes. He's got to finish inside a little bit more efficiently. But like I I said last night, just grabs his own misses and then right back up and in. I don't know how he keeps pulling that off, but (laughs) good stuff from him. And Pritchard's on fire right now. Bobby, this room is packed right now, and I think it's, oh, you know what? We're getting getting Sherrod's numbers too. (laughs) Sherrod's Twitter numbers are coming through here. Everyone's looking for Sherrod. I was like, where's everybody coming from? Um, the, uh, <laughs> I mean, we still have a nice 800 on uh, the main channel. So. No, we're 11, 1200 plus. But yeah, Sherrod's numbers just flooded in off Twitter's Twitter. down. Wait, no, Twitter's back up. So we want to get a little um, quote action before we get out of oh, here. Let's uh, I don't yeah. know. I'm not seeing tweets. I'm just seeing my notifications. Nope. Are you getting actual it, tweets? Nope, nothing. Silence. What a stupid website. Stupid website. How are people watching us on Twitter then? I I have no idea. I'm checking out Blue Sky. See if anybody put anything on there. Nope. How about, uh, what's the other one? Threads? Anyone threading right now? Nobody threads. NBC have anything up? On the YouTube side? Oh yeah, we we got Joe up there on the YouTube side here. Let's see if there's anything I guess he talked about keeping perspective on losses or whatever. 
We'll, we'll, oh, you got it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. You got to keep perspective. No, I mean, look, and I get it. And it's, you know, I, I honestly do feel a lot of what the Celtics say in their post game, certainly Joe, is very much in response to fan reaction. Like, Joe might need to consume less. I, I don't know how much he reads or watches, but he seems to be very in tune with the conversation that's being had out there. And it's not just through Gary Washburn questions <laughs> in the media. Like, he kind of gets the vibe, you know, like when Brown is catching shit, he's defending Brown. When it's too many threes, he's talking about, well, how about our missed layups? Like he he's hearing it and he wants to beat back any what he what what he might consider to be, um, you know, faulty narratives. And again, and what do you think his job? What do you think his job is? Right. Because we go back and forth about that all the time. Is it to call timeouts? Is it to scheme it up and get these guys playing a certain way? I think what he's shown this year in terms of you have to play to your team a little bit, and I think that's what he did last year or tried to do ineffectively at times. You have to find ways to motivate them and focus them and rally everybody around a message. And I think in terms of getting them the offensive rebound, getting them to focus on little things and the analytics of the game, which you know, aside from the three-point volume, which drives us crazy sometimes, I think they've become a pretty analytically sound team in all the different areas where you have to be that. Uh, so I think he's been effective in that, which I think is a real challenge. Like, I don't know how much numbers resonate with these guys, but he finds a way to do it. He's and smart. in terms of sacrificing, everybody's bought in on that, right? And I think that does stem from him a little bit. Almost so I think his everybody. messaging this year is locked, has been on target and effective. Yeah. Look, I think Joe's be- I think Joe's been more effective and more in uh he has more of a command presence this year. Um wh- where we knocked and again, every single thing said about Joe or any NBA coach or anybody really it comes with the caveat that like these guys are like these guys have like seven PhDs and we're in we're we and we're in grade school. Like the their level of understanding and of all of the things that go into every decision is is on they they're thinking on such a higher level. That goes without saying. All it comes down to with Joe is just rigidity, right? Joe's philosophy is sound. And he's right in almost everything that he says, but he seems to be very locked in. And that's why we kind of joked about the, the, you know, the coach GPT sort of stuff. Um, He's, he's a little bit locked in. If you just keep doing it this way, it's going to work. And again, we agree with it over a long enough timeline, but it's not necessarily game by game, you know, there, um, you know, in the moment, maybe not necessarily what that game or that situation needs. So I, I love this know. tonight. I looked up and it, there was seven minutes left in the third. And it was like, the third's been going on for a while now. How is there still seven minutes left? And it was because the Kings had taken all their timeouts, <laughs> which crazy. was just crazy. Um, yeah, but in terms of the, rigid, the rigidness of him, that frustrates me a lot too sometimes. I think that's something he's going to have to get better at, especially going against an opponent like the Warriors that did some things that they didn't expect and force them to play a certain way that wasn't effective. Uh, but when you go out and execute and do all the little things like they did in this game, it can be incredibly effective more often than not. And I think that's what you know fans have to understand here is they're playing to the percentages a lot of the time and the results are coming out more often than not in a good place based off that. So I think like he's done some stuff 
and I go back to early last year that has minimized their weaknesses offensively because aside from the new additions here, this was last year, going into last year, and even after that Ime year, John, an incredibly flawed offensive team. I'm the biggest Ime fan going, and they didn't play a very consistent, uh, effective offensive style that year. In fact, his whole game plan offensively, right, was to run through Brown and Tatum, which I think we learned a couple years later isn't always the best idea. No. He did some things in terms of, like, quick shooting, three-point volume, uh, even the kind of plays and movement they were doing early last year that made them a much more effective, springy, efficient offensive team. And they've had their bumps in the road, and I think a lot of that is just because of the players that they're playing through here in Brown and Tatum. They have a lot of flaws offensively that they have to work around. But he continues to manage that well. So I, I think Joe does deserve more credit than blame this year, and it's going to come down to the players. It really is. Yep. 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 And it, and it always does. And again, anytime we slice up blame pie, I know people go quick on Joe. I'm always players first. So, um, and even the potential yeah. assist thing that we rolled our eyes on, I'm looking through some of the quotes here tonight. He mentioned that again with Brown. I don't love it. I know you don't love it, John, but if it was effective for him, we said this at the time, use it as a coaching tool, show that he's going through the right process and this number of plays and keep doing that. Cause the assist will come. And that seems to be what happened here in terms of doing this stuff over and over and over again. Look, I mean, I, I, again, I get it. But, like, making a simple pass to a person who's who shoots a three, it, it, if, if, if 10 out of 10 people can also make that pass, you didn't necessarily do anything special. And if it misses, you really didn't do anything special. You just kind of played normal basketball. Um it's the quality of the passes and it's whether or not the pass itself was so excellent that without it, a a quality shot could not be had. So like, did your pass create the open look or did you just standing next to a guy, pass it to him, he shot and missed. And it's like, well, that was a potential assist. So even within breaking down these stats, they are flawed because Every assist and potential assist is not created equal. Some assists make the basket and some assists were just simply, I gave it to that guy and he scored and he did the work. So it's not the same. It doesn't, it's, there's no reason to look at the stats. You just use your eyes in this particular case and say, look how he's playing. He's making the right decisions. He's not forcing the issue. It's very evident to see whether or not you compile some assists, zero assists, potential assists. I I don't think it helps the argument on either side, honestly. No, it's not, it's not an argument in this sense from his perspective, I think. it's yeah. From our perspective, I don't think it serves any quality in trying to pitch that they're better playmakers than people think or that they're one of the best in the league because we see the rankings. You know, you can just pull them right up with potential assists and they're in outside the top 50. So I don't think it says a lot in terms of who they are in the broader scheme of playmakers. But what Joe can use it as, and I think they have, is you have this many potential assists a night. Keep doing that. Keep racking those up. And even if you have zero assists because guys don't make shots, if you have seven, eight potential assists, we're happy with the way you played tonight. It's about the process. And I think what's working for Brown right now isn't that he's getting 10 assists. It's that he's making the right decisions more often than not. And that, to me, at least from what I've done, you know, I've done a lot of reporting on it. I think that's what's changed his 
approach the last couple of weeks here. Like you've just heard Joe mention that over and over and over again. I think that's how they've kind of pitched them on playing this way. So I think it worked. Twitter is back. All right. We are back, guys. Um, Clippers Saturday. Hottest team in the league. Are they ready? Um, you know, they are playing well. And I hope we're fully loaded here with uh, everybody back and Tatum is uh, not hobbled here. And I'm trying to see if we can find any quotes. Who else is out there? What other reporters? It's Jared, Gary, Adam. Jared and Gary? Yeah. Joe said Derek White's an all-star. And on holiday, our team's built on sacrifice and sometimes to see the lesser of one guy for another guy to be better. What we're learning is that everybody has to be a lesser version of themselves to be a better team. Another message. There we go. Consistent. Keep pumping that out, right? Keep pumping that message out instead of all defense and all star. That's the thing that you want to talk about, right? Um, you know, uh, that's the most important thing. Be, again, Tatum said it. You just want to see it. Be less to achieve more. A hundred percent. Again. Just hammering on our main central point here. This is a championship team. There's no, there's no excuses and no margin for error. Uh, but yeah, it'll be fun. Clippers is fun because you're matching just star power with star power all over the place, and obviously uh, they've got it. And uh, you know that's a good. That'll be a fun test. I mean, you really want to line up your guards versus Harden and uh and tatum and brown versus you know george and Kawhi. it's a that's a fun 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 matchup we are back here for that show we will do a christmas show because that's Kawhi's what we numbers are. are just silly lately 60 percent from the field 50 percent from three over the last nine game win streak here yeah yeah and this again it's weird how the schedule is lining up pretty similar to last year Clippers, Lakers back-to-back. Clippers just killed the Celtics in that first game, completely shut them down. And then the Lakers game was that game where the Celtics blew the you know, nearly 20-point lead and then went down 14-15 and then came back and won in overtime, which was one of the that was a, games. That game year. was banana. That was the hardest post-game show to do because the range of emotions watching it <laughs> was all – because you were so mad they blew it. Like what the f? And then they Tatum hit that wiener over LeBron the force overtime. Such an interesting. That was such a crazy, crazy game. Um, but yeah, we're back here for that. We will have a three Fuller o'clock house. Hit. Yeah, Fuller House nice. on on Saturday with Jimmy and Sherrod and Joe Sway back in the mix, and we are going to do some type of short Christmas show because that's what we do. Um, and so um, we will join you guys. And honestly, we don't take offense if you guys skip it. It is Christmas. Um, you can and, watch uh, it the next day. Yeah, you can watch it the next day. Next day. Um, thanks, Blorp. <laughs> Blorp. Blorp. If Blorp, if I don't get a new water bottle from 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 a guy named Blorp this year, uh, then something something went wrong. What is going on on the A. Sherrod Blakely Twitter page? Everyone's just on his Twitter. So, sometimes it happens. Sometimes it just goes. Um, thank you guys for hanging out. Yeah, like we said, we're back Saturday and we're back. For those we do not see, uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. We will see you guys after the holidays. But if you guys want to hang out with us a little bit, uh, absolutely uh, join us uh, for these next couple of shows as we kind of carry you through, um, you know, 
uh, Christmas and on to Christmas. And, you know, we can talk about pies and all sorts of other things. And uh, you got also planned? just, you know, I'm still devising the menu. Uh, Is it going to be ham? Know. I'm not a big ham guy. I'm not a ham guy, but the people, so many people here eat it. So I do it. I don't like it. I might get really funky uh, and make a cassoulet, which is a like a French stew. Um, and that's something that I can make overnight. It's going to um, be cold too, I think. So that'd be nice. No. Yeah. So it's a like stick to your, it's a, it's a kind of a bean and, and, and pork, uh, you know, anyway, I might do that because doing like a slow cooker thing the night before and waking up and having it ready just makes life a little bit easier. So, um, so Any I'm pies? doing that. I might do that. We're not doing pies this year. We're not doing pies. <laughs> we're doing, we're doing, um, we're doing caramel blondies. We're doing, oh, um, I love those. Yeah, molasses cookies. We're doing those pecan brownies again because they were a big hit. Um, so stuff like that. We're doing some fun stuff. I'm gonna have to think of some stuff. Yeah, I get my presents too. I'm running late, but it's uh, it's kind of a I kind of do it in two ways. It's like a hybrid. It's like a brunch ish thing. So we also do like a you know like a like a French toast and uh, like a, a, a you know an egg strata or whatever. Yeah. Alright. Sounds good yeah. to me. Hopefully we'll get so it's a mix. one of these years. It's a mix. We'll do the Friendsgivings next year. I swear we would have done it. I swear we would have done it this year if it wasn't um, so freaking early. It just all of a sudden it was like it was like, you know, so yeah. Yeah, no pies. No pies. Maybe, should we do a pie? What's a Christmas pie? I, yeah, I don't know if that's a thing. I it's don't definitely know. cookies, right? I love cookies. It's a lot of, we're doing a lot of cookies and brownies and things, yeah. yeah. Oh, we have, I'm making a brownie with like a fudge and a peppermint topping because one of my kids likes those too. Like a kind of like crushed peppermint, almost can't, you know. Yeah. Take it or leave it. I'm not a mint dessert guy. That's for them. No, no. Chocolate no. chips are always good in there, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Anyway, again, thank you guys for hanging out. We'll see you.